Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Steve Pretty. This is my podcast, Steve Pretty, on the origin of the pieces. This is a show that helps you to hear and understand music in new ways. And also to understand a bit about where music comes from, what it is and why it even exists in the first place. Thank you so much for all the lovely feedback about last week's show. A lot of people got in touch to say that they really particularly enjoyed uh, hearing the harp up close with those binaural mics in uh, and to hear the harp and trumpet duet. I really enjoyed that uh, chat with Valeria. And also some really interesting thoughts that people had on pop rock and authenticity and all that stuff we discussed uh, with Alexander Bennett about Robbie Williams and co. Now, I should say, I know this show is coming out a bit late Uh, I said that it would be out every two weeks on a Thursday. It was pretty much all ready to go for Thursday this week, just gone. Uh, And then I had some just finishing touches to the mix to do on Wednesday night. I came back from seeing the brilliant Daniel Kitson, uh, his show Wilton's Musical, which of course is where you can see my show in January, January the 20th. A little mini early plug there. Um, I came back from seeing uh, Kitson's fantastic show and thought, oh, I'll just finish off the edit, uh, give it a polish and upload it. And lo and behold, my computer would not turn on my very expensive new laptop, which I invested in at vast expense earlier this year, so that this sort of thing wouldn't happen. Yeah, so apologies that this show comes to you late. That is not my intention. It's only the third episode and already I've missed a deadline. I feel very frustrated about that. But anyway, hopefully it will be worth the wait. Also, I have a very robust backup strategy. That's right, people were talking about backup strategies this early in the show. Um, but of course, needless to say, I after working on it all day on Wednesday, I then just shut down the computer without backing up properly. So all of the work I've done on Wednesday, the full mix of the show... All of this recording, my own bits that I'm doing for you now, that all has vanished into the ether because I had to start again with my laptop reinstalling everything from scratch, which has been a really cool, fun few days, as you can imagine. So, excuses over. That's why I'm afraid this show is late. Anyway, hopefully it's worth the wait. We've got a lot of really, really interesting stuff. Coming up on today's show, um, I have my friend and colleague Tamar Osborne, wonderful sax player and flautist, who is going to be in our entertaining noises section talking about the baritone sax, the flute, and we get a bit filthy uh, with something called the tape delay, which is a little kind of a cassette tape, basically, that uh, you can make beautiful, crunchy, squishy musical sounds with, and it's basically the the kind of entropy, the chaos uh, of that sound is something that both Tamar and I really enjoy and mess about with. So do stay tuned for that. And then uh, towards the end of the show, I'm going to be talking about uh, a music which it turns out I know far more about than I thought, but still can't pronounce in any way. Uh, That is the music from South Africa called uh, (laughs) It's in Osa. Uh, the uh, in South African language and unfortunately I cannot speak or pronounce that in any way so you can hear me attempting to do that with Claude later on the wonderful guest Claude Depper uh, from South Africa he's going to be taking me through how that music works and having a little jam towards the end so stay tuned for all that it's going to be a fun show here we go But before we do any of that, I wanted to talk a little bit about pubs. That's right, pubs. I'm a big fan of pubs. I'm sure many of you will be as well. But specifically, what I'm particularly passionate about with pubs is the fact that they are real community hubs. It's almost a cliche to say it now that that pubs are community hubs, but I think think that they really are. There is a caveat, obviously, which is that for people who don't drink or, you know, religious people and various other groups, they're not community hubs for those people. So I totally understand that. I'm not saying they're universal. But for a lot of people, they do still serve in this country, in the UK, as real community hubs. And I think that's never more true than when pubs choose to put on live music. This is something that I feel really passionate about because um, it's very easy to dismiss pub music sometimes. You think, oh, there's a, there's a bloke singing covers in the pub or there's a little jazz thing in the corner. But what's misunderstood, I think, is that that grassroots music is incredibly important to the UK music scene and uh, to music scene more generally worldwide, given the UK's influence on it. 
these little gigs in pubs are really, really vital. Um, and so I had a gig in a pub the other night. Um, I ran a little New Orleans style uh, night uh, playing music from New Orleans and we had a little jam session at the end. It was really, really fun at the great pub called the Eleanor Arms in Hackney in sort of, well, in Bow really, um, just on the on the cusp of the posh bit of Hackney and the quite deprived bit of Bow. Really fantastic, wonderful pub. And it's run by the landlords Frankie and Leslie, who I think do so much to support live, in their case, jazz. They have a jazz club every Sunday night called the Old Ford Jazz Club. Yeah, so I had a really, really interesting chat with them after the gig the other night. Uh, you may be able to hear that we'd all had a couple of pints by this stage. It was sort of 11, 11.30 on a Sunday night after the gig. But hopefully it's comprehensible. Uh, so here we go, Frankie and Leslie from the Eleanor Arms in East London. Uh, sure, yeah, go on. Uh, Always like. I don't need your money. Oh, that's very fair. So there's this geezer, he's called the London Pub Explorer, who's got an Instagram page. Okay. And he writes this fantastic stuff about all pubs in London. And now he's branched out into a book. And the write-up at the start mm-hmm. is well put together about how the East End of London has always been a place of change and it goes, starts with about the Huguenots, yeah? Yeah. Huguenots, Bangladeshi, blah, in, in blah, blah. blah. And yeah, stuff, yeah. And, and coming into London yeah. and whatever. It says, but the one thing that holds the East End of London together is its traditional pubs. Oh, yeah. It says in the, in the text of the book, Sunday night is when the Eleanor Arms comes alive, but it's the old four jazz club. But what started you guys doing jazz in here? Oh, it's a local guy who used to be down the road. Oh, yeah? Ray Sandler. Yeah. And he was a musician and we took no money on a Sunday because everyone comes out on a Friday and Saturday. Yeah. Working on a Monday, so they don't come out. They come out on Sunday, yeah. It was on a Sunday. I could probably count on my hand how many of the people who were here on a Sunday night are regulars. So they're not many of the right. people who are regulars. These are the, only, these are the only nights we see these people on yeah. Sunday. Uh, I think some of them don't even live around to travel. But they come, they come specifically to the music. Yeah, for the jazz. Yeah. But I think what's interesting for me as a musician is that the the narrative in kind of popular culture is that people don't go out for music and that small small scale gigs don't pull people in necessarily and that people just want to go out and you know have a drink and. No. Um, sorry, Les. They don't want to pay. Yeah. Right. That's that that that's where I see it. They don't want to pay. If I'm stood at that back door going, oh, it's £3, £5 to get in, they just walk away, you know? Interesting. Yeah, but because I'm funding it and it, it's free to them, all it becomes is a problem for us when we get these people to come in and, and just ask for a glass of tap water. Right, they're right, nice. right. I mean, they're regular, they, come, they become regulars for us. Because, you know, yeah, they become regular Sunday night customers, yeah. don't they? Yeah, right. I, I, I think there's a, a huge audience out there who don't want to pay to go to a small venue yeah. and and pay. Yeah. Um, so then it releases them from the pressure that to go in, and if they're not enjoying it, they can go. I think the thing for me that's interesting, though, as a musician is, is playing is playing to people who... who who don't know what they're getting necessarily. Because like, like, Well, jazz... tonight they knew. They knew it was New Orleans jazz because we haven't been selling it before. Yeah. But so what... There's a table there that specifically said they were coming because... I see, I see, I see. I see. Yeah. But, what, but I guess what I mean is people can walk in and they don't know necessarily what yeah. they're getting. And they're like, oh, wait, I, I like this. Yeah. And, and from the point of view of a, of a jazz musician, like a lot of the time... If you're trying to sell jazz gigs, it's, that's a hard thing to do yeah. because because you're selling it to people who already like that, are already into it. Yeah, you, and that is right because 
some of our regulars who don't like jazz and don't stay for it have been pleasantly surprised. I think they have stayed yeah, longer. Because I tell them. They've said, oh, they enjoyed it. Yeah. Jazz is a big, wide spectrum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not, and and, and if you don't like that bus coming, there's another bus coming up right behind, absolutely, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. There's something about doing a gig in a pub as a jazz musician that is different from doing it in a jazz club. Yeah, in a jazz club, um, you can be sat far back at, at Ronnie's, right? You, you can have those... T- tables right at the front yeah. and then it goes back then it goes up into like the wings on the side yeah and you can be far removed from it but here it's in your face it's proper, it's proper, and, yeah. and sometimes I'll go to people around the back and say you enjoy the music oh yes very good go around the front there's no room but just go around the front yeah, yeah. squeeze in and, and and then they come back up oh and the music has become live to them yeah 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 but I th- it feels like it feels like there's more possibility in the minute. I mean, I, I love you know I love, obviously love jazz and jazz clubs and things for, for what they are. But I think when you when you when you're in a pub where people are there to do something else like drink and yeah. eat mini cheddars, you know that, that it's you've got a, a different opportunity to to sort of bring people with you. Um, and yeah, that's what that's what's fun about having a gig in a pub. So obviously the conversation went on uh, in all sorts of different directions as these late night pub conversations tend to do uh, and they're fascinating characters, uh, Frankie and Leslie. But before we finish this section, I just I suppose what I wanted to say was not just to celebrate the landlords as I hope we have today and those people putting on live music, you know, these small venues putting on live music, it's not easy for them. So please, please, please do support your local pub or cafe or anywhere putting on live music. It's really, really crucial uh, for, for us musicians, but also I would say for wider society and even from an economic point of view for uh, the UK music industry going forward. You know, it's a really important export for the UK. And I'm not going to make the political case for it here, but there is a political case to be made for supporting these grassroots venues. So meanwhile, support them by going and buying a lovely pint or a glass of wine or a coffee or whatever it is uh, in one of your local independent venues but before we leave this i just wanted to say uh, something else about uh, playing in pubs and that is i think sometimes audiences misunderstand the nature of being a musician if you're playing in a pub uh, it's tempting sometimes for audience members to think oh well you know it must be kind of a little hobby because you're only playing to 20 people or whatever and although that can sometimes be true and as I've discussed previously in this show absolutely nothing wrong with playing music for a hobby quite the opposite I think the line between professional and amateur musicians uh, is essentially arbitrary and really as much about lifestyle choice as about ability sometimes but that's subject for another time but really I just wanted to emphasize that the musicians you're seeing in these small venues in these small independent venues as often really at the top of their game. I'm not talking about myself here, I should say, but just taking the band I put together the other night, for example. I mean, some of those guys um, have played with... So the, the drummer for that band, a wonderful drummer called Pat Levette, he, he's played with all sorts of amazing people. He has a residency with his band at Ronnie Scott's. Uh, he's played with Tom Jones. He's an absolutely top-of-his-game, world-class drummer and also harmonica player. Um, and Jeff Miller, the uh, the tuba player, sousaphone player on that gig, he does a lot of amazing classical stuff, some really, really high-profile classical and early music as well as um, much more modern stuff James Arben on the Saxon clarinet uh, he's a musical director for Melato Starke, a great uh, Ethiopian sort of godfather of Ethiopian jazz music and tours all over the world with various different projects Ed Hicks the banjo player has done all sorts of amazing things run big choirs these we're, all of these people in the band are are uh, professional musicians who are doing really amazing things and just because they're playing in a small pub on a Sunday night does not mean anything about their uh, abilities more widely. It's the fact that as musicians, it's quite hard to understand, I guess, for some people, but it's that line between it being a vocation and a profession because we need to get paid, we need to uh, pay the rent and all the rest of it, but it also is something that we love doing. And so if someone says, are you free on a Sunday night to play some really enjoyable music to a small but very appreciative group of people 
and there'll be some beers thrown in and you know a bit of money for travel and you know for dinner or whatever uh are you up for that and most musicians if they're available will say yes because it's fun to do it's something that we all enjoy doing we like hanging out with other musicians we like meeting people in those environments who enjoy the music and i suppose the ultimate example of that for me was when a few years ago my band hackney colliery band we had a gig for the closing ceremony of the london 2012 olympics which is a subject for another time and so it's Almost certainly the biggest gig we will ever do as a band because it was we were playing to 80,000 people in the stadium and it was broadcast, of course, some of that worldwide. It was this enormous gig. But I was really, really clear that what I wanted to do the next night was to do a pub gig. So the next night, after we played to 80,000 people in the stadium, however many hundreds of millions worldwide, the next day we did a little gig in a pub quite near the stadium, actually, also in that part of... Uh, East London and yeah we played to I don't know maybe maybe 50 people and to be honest that was it was way more enjoyable for for us playing to that small group of passionate people who were really into what we were doing than playing to an enormous stadium that's not to say of course that you know it's not fun to play these massive venues sometimes of course it is and it's a real privilege and joy to be able to do that I just wanted to dispel the idea that your career as a musician uh, is is kind of linear. It's always upwards and you're always building to the next bigger venue and then the bigger venue and then the bigger venue. It's not about how big a venue you're playing often. It's about what you're playing uh, and the environment that you're in, what the audience are doing, that interaction between audience and musician, which for me is almost more profound in a small venue when you're really up close and personal with people than it is in a huge stadium. They each have their place. It's great. Lucky I didn't enjoy that stadium gig that much, to be honest, because I haven't been asked to do many stadium gigs since. (laughs) Anyway, on with the show. That's my little ode to pub gigs over for now. But let me know your thoughts on that. If you have any thoughts on pub gigs, if you have any particularly memorable pub gigs, do share them with me at Steve Pretty on social media or podcast at stevepretty.com if you want to email me. Right, on with the show. Okay, the time has come now for entertaining noises. Now, this is the section of the show where I have someone in my studio or out and about and I talk to them about what they do. We make some interesting music or make some interesting entertaining sounds of some description. Um, And of course, we do that with the binaural mics in. Now, what that means uh, is that you need to put headphones in if you can. Uh, Don't worry if you you can't, if you're listening on in a car or on speakers or on your phone or whatever, that's fine. It will still work but you will get the full effect if you stick headphones in or on now because then the microphones that are in the ears of my guest will be picking up exactly what they are hearing so that will mean that they will translate directly to your ears so uh, yeah do pop those headphones in or on so this episode we have my friend and colleague Tamar Osborne uh, on the show aka Collocutor that's the name of her artist project. She's a wonderful saxophone player, composer, flautist, many other things. She has her own radio show and uh, she's, yeah, we talk about the sax, we talk about the flute. This is a kind of, a bit like a combined entertaining noises section and also the music theory uh, bit that you would have heard in previous shows because we cover quite a lot of ground about how the saxophone works, how the flute works and also at the end we have a lot of fun with uh, what's called a tape delay so real magnetic tape for those of you who remember cassettes and reel-to-reels and that sort of thing we get one of those out um, and make some very squelchy crunchy lovely noises with the flute and baritone sax so here we go this is Tamar Osborne aka Collocutor in the studio Binaurals are on. Binaurals are on. Trying, so. trying not to brush the binaurals with my hair. Yeah. So tell me who you are. What? <laughs> who are you and why are you here? Why am I here? That's a very good question. I mean, how deep do we want to go with that question? My name is Tamar Osborne. I am a saxophonist and woodwind player. I work freelance. Uh, I also have my own projects and I'm a regular side person for one or collaborator, depending on how you want to look at it, in several other people's bands. Um, so... Speaking of making music your own, do you want to tell yep. us what 
What have you got with you? I today? have got with me today baritone saxophone, which is yeah. probably the biggest of the saxophone family that people are familiar with. Yeah. How the saxophones are labelled follows a similar system to how voices in a choir are labelled. So soprano, alto, tenor, baritone. You've got more on either side. You've got a silly thing called a sopranino, which is just a tiny so, bit of tubing. So which that's three inches long, isn't just, it? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. I mean... Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I also have with me a flute, which to some people will seem a very unrelated instrument, but actually they're both based on the same system of how and where you punch the holes into the bit of metal to create sound. Mm -hmm. um, as a hopefully short and not too mysterious way of describing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because the, the, uh, they're both obviously made of metal, different metals mm -hmm. and things, but... But weirdly part of the woodwind family. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's a historical legacy. It's a kind of quirk, isn't it? Yeah, so well, I mean, flutes were originally wood, and mm -hmm. I mean, there were all sorts of things, but yeah. people might be familiar with flutes made from bamboo from various mm -hmm. traditions around the world. Um, at some point in Western music, metal became more popular, more familiar, I guess it's more malleable, you can add more keys to it more easily, but you do get wooden flutes with the same key systems that have developed on, on modern flutes. Mm. But yeah, it's part of the woodwind family because it used to be made of wood. Well, yeah, <laughs> Saxophones, however, have never been made of wood, no. but are somehow still part of the woodwind family, controversially-ish. Partly, I think, because they function on the same mechanical system as the woodwind family does. Partly because they're related to that family also because yeah. the way the sound is produced is the same as the way it is on a clarinet. So you have a mo mouthpiece with a single reed and the action of blowing air over that single reed and making it vibrate is what makes the sound. Can you do that come. for us now? I can. Can you hold yeah, the flute, please? Yeah. So if you, maybe if you just give us the, just the mouthpiece. Just yeah. the mouthpiece. This will sound horrible. <laughs> now, so the thing with any reed instruments um, is that if the piece of reed is too thick or not damp enough, uh, for, for whatever reason doesn't want to vibrate, you will get no sound. Mm -hmm. You'll get nothing coming out of your instrument. Um, so there's a whole system of like, should you soak your reeds? Should you not soak your reeds? How long for? All this kind of thing. And all reed players wander around before gigs looking a bit weird because they're basically chewing on a bit random of bit of wood yeah, yeah, it's true, <laughs> in it's order true. to make it work um but that's that's basically it you have to make it vibrate in order to get sound whereas with the flute it's like making a noise from a bottle which i'm sure is something most people have tried at some point so you're blowing the air across the top of a hole and some of that air ends up going down the hole and through the instruments and somehow by magic that makes noise um, so this is just on the head joint, the top bit of the flute. That's the flute without the rest of, without the buttons. Without, yes, that's the yeah. flute without the buttons. Yeah, yeah. And similarly to a trumpet, there's a certain amount you can do uh, just by changing the tension of the muscles in your face or how much or how little air you're blowing down it. length of pipe you're just speeding up and slowing down the air right speeding up slowing down the air and um, having a little bit more tension in my face muscles to make the air more or less focused mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that so splits it into different columns and that physics physics, physics, physics gets physics. involved yeah so if you then if you yeah, see now you're putting the the head on the flute so yeah. now if you just give us a note and some notes on the flute Beautiful, beautiful. And if you just play the Barry for us. Very nice. And people might be familiar with the Barry, depending on their age, as you rightly pointed out earlier, from The Simpsons, right? Uh, yes, yeah, so because Lisa Simpson plays, plays the, baritone, plays the baritone yeah. sax. Yeah. So that plays yeah. baritone sax, so you may recognise the shape. And So could you describe the shape of it? A bit curly. A bit curly. A bit curly. It's so got an extra curl at the top. It's got an extra curl at the top. So soprano saxophone, which is the smallest one most people will probably be familiar with, which is the one... Kenny G. She said it. She said I said it. I said it. The one Con John Coltrane played a lot as well. <laughs> Kenny G and John Coltrane. Trying to undo. Trying to undo what I just said. Sorry. <laughs> John Coltrane played it loads. Um, that's usually straight. You do find curved sopranos, but they they're usually straight. Mm -hmm. 
alto is curved so the bottom end is twisted up um, and that's partly just to do with the practicalities of the length mm -hmm. of metal partly also to do with how the sound then projects um, and it has what we call the crook which is the top bit that the mouthpiece attaches to that is kind of straight tenor the next one down looks similar to an alto but it's a bit longer and the crook has a slight bend in it again to do with the practicalities of the length mm -hmm. of tube and then the baritone has a lot more twists and turns yeah basically it's got all sorts of wiggly bits going on which also means it can break quite easily yes i can imagine <laughs> i can imagine it does. well one thing i, I want to say actually we're talking about the, like the lengths and the shapes of the instrument mm -hmm. so they're designed to project acoustically for other people to hear what you're playing which for me is very interesting on the baritone because all the sound goes away from me so i'm really curious mm. to see what is picked up on the binaural headphones uh, which are for people who aren't so familiar they're in my ears at the moment yep. so what they're recording should replicate as far as possible what i'm hearing and what i hear on the baritone is not anywhere near as loud as what other people hear but the other the other thing that will complicate that will yeah. be it's not quite the same so for example last week we had valeria the harpist um, in here um, with the binaural mics in and that probably will be i would imagine quite similar to to how she hears it because yeah. they're in here but when you're playing a wind or a brass instrument yeah you're part of the instrument well yes yeah you're, so yeah. so you're you're making the sound yourself to a degree so yeah. you know, your lungs and your mouth and everything are, are part, physically part yeah. of the instrument well and and the the actual shape of your skull and various other bits of your anatomy act as resonators exactly so you so, so you hear the instrument also through your through your head yes. through your, literally through your bones and stuff so, <laughs> yeah yeah so uh it's why it's funny when uh, as a trumpet player i think it's even more pronounced when, when you wear uh, sometimes as musicians we wear what are called in-ears which are like little headphones that where you can hear yourself in the rest mm -hmm. of the band as you know and um uh, but as wind players brass players it's a bit strange because you're yeah. hearing you're hearing what the mic is picking up which is not how you would hear it yeah from, from yeah. in, in normal times without headphones in because you're you're then you're blocking your ears it's yeah like, so it's the same effect basically as if you had your hands over your ears yes but you're also hearing your voice yeah if you're talking talking as it's mic, picked up through a microphone as it's picked up yeah. through a microphone and it's yeah. just quite disconcerting it's very disconcerting it's, quite, it's a very very I mean, weird experience it, it is, but it's, the development of the technology is also interesting because the act of blocking your ears in any way changes your perception of pitch mm. as well. It's, yeah, it's partly why sometimes in a studio setting you'll see um, wind and brass players playing with one ear of the headphones off. Because partly it's to do with how you perceive your pitch and your tuning, and it's also partly to do with locking into how the other players you're working with are breathing because mm -hmm. that's part of how you articulate and how you produce the sound as well so it's um, they're complex bits of kit yeah they are they? <laughs> they are they are so i think we should hear a bit more though right i mean so we've been having we've been doing a nice session today yes. for uh, a little uh, project we're working on and do you want to play that that little riff we've been we've been playing now i've got to try and remember <laughs> That. Just exactly. Like that. So it's really simple little riff, but when you've got such a meaty, beautiful yeah. instrument as the as the Barry, it really yeah, it yeah. really responds to it. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, just give us a little bit on the flute as well, if you would. Just a little bit of tickling, whatever Let's you like. Let's see. Let's see. No, you see there, the flute's gone really sharp because <laughs> it's a much smaller bit of metal, and as the metal warms up, it makes the pitch go sharper so what you have to do is pull the head joint out a bit this goes across wind instruments pull the head joint out a bit to make the tube longer and that has the effect of making the pitch a little bit flatter again yeah okay it's a constant battle isn't it it's a co it's a co yeah i mean <laughs> yeah finish um this we were having a lot of fun today with uh, the thing that is in front of us on the floor oh yes i got out uh, something i haven't used for a little while which is my tape delay oh yes now. um the tape delay is basically a, a sort of a, a mini cassette 
essentially a bit of a bit of uh, magnetic tape like we used to I, use. I feel like you need to put a picture of it on the podcast. I will do. I will do. I'll link to, they I'll are, link to a picture. Of they it. are great because it's beautiful. Also, for the younger generation who've never seen a cassette, yeah, it will be completely mysterious. Exactly. <laughs> but the thing, so so it's called a delay, which is something which basically you play a note, 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 and then it and then it picks it up and repeats it. But the thing about tape that is unexpected in a way because it's nice because it doesn't sound the same. It, yeah. it degrades. Yeah. It sounds it sounds wonkier and warblier and and uh, and that's something that we you and I are particularly really drawn to yeah. and a lot of musicians <laughs> are because it's it's something that it's got its own character, it's got its own mm-hmm. texture. You can of course just repeat something infinitely and have it done perfectly like a you know like a loop pedal or something that can we'll just repeat exactly the same thing 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 but it's much more interesting i think uh to to have something that changes over time yeah. and has its own character and it's so you so it means you play it like an instrument yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And what I can't do right now, you can hear me on this still. Let's turn the delay off. So what I do when I use my own effects sometimes, um, which I can't do today because I can't reach, you also have certain dials which change the um, speed of the delay, various other variables which when you turn them while you're playing have the effect of adjusting the pitch, adjusting the rate at which you hear the sounds come back. And so that's a whole other world of fun that you can add exactly. to it as well. We'll get it set up for probably when you're next back in and yeah. we'll muck about with some more of that. Yeah. But that's beautiful. That was, um, yeah, tape delay. Flute. And that's something that you and I both do quite a lot of, right? Yeah. Effects and, yeah. And it's, yeah. yeah. And it's just another, it's another, I think of it as another part of the colour palette that you're, Absolutely. you're painting with. You know? Absolutely. And for me, quite often... I like to think of it as another instrumental voice. Yeah. So it's not just a colour in the background. It's very much something that I'm interacting mm-hmm. with and, and is, especially in an improvisation, is forming the, informing the direction of the improvisation. Absolutely, yeah. Lovely. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Bye, Steve. It's Bye. been a pleasure. It's been a, it's been a treat having you. So I hope you enjoyed those binaural entertaining noises with uh, the great Tamar Osborne. She has a lot of really cool stuff coming up. She is doing a lot of stuff uh, for the London Jazz Festival. If you're in London in November 2023, she's got lots of stuff coming up there. Um, Her project, which is of sort of varying shapes and sizes, is called Collocutor. That's her own uh, project. She also does a lot of different collaborations, as she mentioned, with all sorts of people. Um, as I say, she and I are working on some music together. Um, yeah, so do look her up if you like that sort of thing. Right, on with the show. Now, I should say that today I'm aware we are a little bit jazz heavy. That will not be the case in all shows. Don't worry if you're not a jazz person. But as you may remember, my music that was allocated for this show to delve into in my genre tombola, where I look at a completely different genre every episode as picked for me by a random list picker from the list of 1,300 or so uh, genres, as on Wikipedia, uh, that picked the style of music, which, as you're about to hear, I still can't pronounce. It's called Mbakanga. <laughs> 
uh, a uh, Anglosa word. I think that's right. Which is also, in some way, a form of jazz. There's more modern stuff which we talk about as well, but most of the focus of it today is on the earlier style of Mkanga, which is kind of a jazz style, as you'll hear. But of course, we will be finding out at the end of this episode which style I will be looking at for the next episode. And uh, statistically, it is unlikely to be jazz. So do stay tuned if jazz isn't your thing. Hopefully you'll learn something uh, along the way anyway. But yeah, do bear in mind, this is not going to be a jazz-focused show in general. Anyway, this episode, I have another guest in the form of Claude Depper, who is a wonderful trumpet player, who is also a trumpet player, as am I. And he has been on the London scene for a very long time, uh, playing music with all sorts of amazing people. Um, He often leans into his South African heritage and background, which is what we're going to be talking about today. But he's also played with uh, all sorts of different um, ensembles over the years. And very importantly, is a great educator as well. He teaches a lot, but he is also very involved with the incredible project Kinetica Blocco, which is a an education project in a big samba band kind of collective that's mainly run out of the South Bank these days, South Bank Centre in London. He and I actually met when Kinetica Blocco were involved in a project that I directed at the Roundhouse some years ago, and they just an incredible ensemble. They bring such energy to the proceedings and what they have achieved, and as with Claude very much up there at the head of it, over the years is is quite remarkable. A lot of amazing professional musicians, including people like uh, someone who's now an international soloist, uh, Theon Cross, a great artist in his own right these days. He has come through that project, as has many others. But more importantly, it has also formed a real community backbone uh, to, to lift often quite impoverished kids uh, up and to give them a taste of uh, working together in an ensemble context, no matter what their ability. So I really suggest you check out Kinetica Blocco if you ever have a chance. They do do uh, public performances. Um, yeah, if you're in London at any stage, do check them out. Anyway, we had a very, very wide-ranging conversation, lasting the best part of about two hours. I've cut it right down today just to talk about the genre tombola bit of the show. But um, yeah, we talked about the power of music education. We talked about how uh, musical styles transcend boundaries and the way music evolves over time, all sorts of stuff. So uh, a lot of interesting stuff there, which I uh, may revisit in future shows. Uh, He's a super engaging speaker and educator and a wonderful trumpet player and musician. So I'm going to drop into the interview now where I was just explaining to Claude uh, why I do the genre tombola. Claude uh, is luckily a fan of the show, uh, very kindly, and so he was aware of the the segment and I just wanted to explain my reasoning behind it. So let's drop into that. As I say, what I like about it, it's that and it's because you're coming from a point of I don't know. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. And, and the idea of doing a completely different thing each episode yeah. is that mm-hmm. I won't know about any of them, and it's going to put me in a really, you know, an awkward position. Okay, all right. In yeah. a way, yeah. like trying to learn, and so it's but me bringing a bit of my musical experience to mm-hmm. try to understand, understand. A, a little bit in order for the audience to try and understand, rather than just be going. Now I will give you a lecture on all the oh. stuff I know about. You know. Yeah. Um, so, but first, thanks for coming in. Just for the sake of the show, can you introduce yourself? Please? Okay, hi, my name is Claude Depper, trumpet player from uh, Cape Town, South Africa, and I've lived in England since 1975. Uh, I come from a musical family. My grandfather had his own brass band and choir. Hmm. I conducted my first brass band when I was three. What? Yeah, yeah. But they were very much in the marching sense, yeah. Um, sort of military style. Military style, very military style. In, f- in fact, when I saw the uh, uh, North Korean Army <laughs> officer's uniform, it's bloody identical. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Up to the orange stripe. They have a red one. We had an orange stripe, that same brown khaki. That's what It was scary. When I saw it the first time, I was like... But yeah, so so I've always um, always done music, and then in '75, my parents decided um, no. I was speaking out too much. There was a few problems that was really building up to the riots in '76, mm. and they moved us out. Mm. And literally a year later, trouble really started. Right. Shuffle and everything else that rolled from there. Um, but when I came to England, up till then. I played tenor horn in the brass band. Did you? It's a tenor horn band. Yeah, I said, don't worry, I clocked it. I, I, I love tenor, man. Yeah, yeah. 
you fold in the harmonies. I mean, yeah, so yeah. Anyway, we should talk about. Now I'm going to get it wrong immediately. Mm. We should. We should. Talk, should I give it a go and then you yeah, correct me? Please. Yeah. Okay. Remember, not uh, <clears throat> not uh, no <clears throat> no. Uh, we should talk about. But but anger. What was that? Getting better. But make more anger. But don't say mm-hmm. Yeah. Bakanga. But. I said him again. Yeah. Don't do it. But, try too many times. You'll swallow your tongue. We're gonna have to call the ambulance. Bakanga. No, we don't. You got there it. We go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We got there. So I, I was saying to you earlier when you came in that mm-hmm. when this came up, yeah, I thought, oh, that sounds familiar, but oh man, I don't, I don't know anything about that. And then I started looking into it. So since the last show. Uh-huh. Like wait, I do know this is the music that I've listened to loads and have and have played a bit, and I'm a yeah. huge fan of of township jazz uh, and uh, South African music in general. So, so I've been listening to loads of it in the last couple of weeks. Okay, it's it's well, I let you I let you uh, talk about it, but I was just quite embarrassed basically on the show last episode. I was like, oh, what's this thing that I've been allocated by uh, this mad system I've devised? Yeah. Oh, I've never heard of it, and they're like, no, wait, I have heard. I know, I know, I know something, really like some, something in so, there. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about your background, but like, what mm-hmm. what's your experience of that music? Oh uh, well, firstly, thanks for inviting me to the show. But uh, Mbakanga is it grows from, and that's the trouble you can't you can't pin it all down because it's like a tree grow. It grows well, like, up. this is the, it's an inherent problem that I, I talked about in the first uh, episode of the show where you, the genre is entirely fluid and, and it's, exactly. a, it's in a way it's a really a reductive and not yeah. very helpful way of talking yeah. about as musicians we don't really think like that right I don't think, no. really think about what, the, what we're the, what, yeah no we play but, but, but that said to, but you know in this case it's kind of helpful just to think about to some, think about some of the history of some, some of the history okay um, if, you, if you said Township Jive or ch- Township Jazz it was called one of the two it's got tinges of that, but now to, 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 to understand that, and even Bakanga, you have to understand that it's, it's got a saxophone voicing always, mm. very soulful, and nowhere else in the world can anybody produce that. Oh. Very distinctive sound, and there's always a guitar led rather than piano. Yeah. Pian- yeah. Pianos in those days in the township. <laughs> you're gonna find a, a, a pastor has or a preacher has a piano in the church, yeah. and you borrow the piano on Saturday night. But you gotta, hey, you gotta bring it back before midnight. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and of course yeah. you don't do. But so it's very guitar led, mm-hmm. and it's always with a guitar pickup. Mm-hmm. In fact, for, for us, our music always starts before the beat. Even if you listen to Abdullah, yeah, it's always that the pickup and. For years, I thought, oh, that was just a South African thing, until I went, met Nana Mascancheros. And he said, no, man, the pickup is the most important note. Mm. And he go, of course it's that. It's got to have that. And, and mm. I suppose because I grew up with it, because I just feel that's where it should be. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but to make people understand is what makes that, what gives you that. The only way I can really explain it, if you're having a shower, mm. Yeah, no shower, you can shampoo in your hair and downstairs somebody turns off the hot water, mm-hmm. turns on the hot water. Zoop! And all you get is cold water. Like, ah, 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 and that's the pickup beat. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like a little like in breath. Yeah, yeah, that in yeah. exactly. And, and, and then I went back and you listen to it's there in Calypso, mm-hmm. in Brazilian mm-hmm. music, not so much in reggae. Mm. Reggae was more on the that's more yeah. the strong beat, but in Cuba they do that same thing. So Bakonga, so it has that. First, it has that morning saxophone, and it's always the alto. You know, it's it's the closest for me that I can hear a voice mm-hmm. can create. But it used to formulate that it used Zulu mm-hmm. folklore. Mm-hmm. Stories, yeah. Now, it was more prevalent in the townships of Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. So you know, now they one so Zulus aren't in Johannesburg; they're right next to the Indian Ocean. So how does that come about? Mm-hmm. Of course, the miners, the workers in the underground, mm-hmm. a lot of them were Zulu. I see, and it's and again, what what's interesting about that is that so many 
times throughout history, and I'm not just talking about recent history, I'm talking about yeah. it would have been, you know, going stretching back thousands of yes. years, tens of thousands of years even, that uh, it's people moving, that the, the movement of people yeah. and the movement of music go hand in hand. Absolutely. Whether it's like sailors singing, you know, shanties, shanties that then Exa- get transformed exactly. into something else. Or, yeah. or even like, so I, I did an interview with um, an astronaut who was on the International Space Station because okay. he played music up there. Yeah. And he said, even there, you know, this this idea that where everyone's bringing instruments up, so they have a kind of jam session on the International oh, Space Station. So, so, you know, even today, in, in space, people are kind of exchanging musical ideas. But that idea that as uh, as as people move around, they bring with their so, music, and then that changes, then everyone... You, you, you know, it's an exchange of ideas, exchange of... Uh, not to catch you, but the perfect example is jazz. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's migratory. We should probably we should get back to Nkang, uh, Bakanga. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, it's it's very much led. It always, even you listen to any of them, it always has this gling, 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 guitar lick mm-hmm. at the beginning, and they each have their own. In fact, saying that, Paul Simon uses in diamonds on the shoulder of his shoes. Yeah, well, that's because my understanding, limited, very limited though, is is. Yeah. Is that it? It kind of came about in the around the sixties, early sixties. But there was Bakanga. There was there was as I say there was uh, township jazz before of that. Of course, and there was uh, Marabi before that. Mm-hmm. But that really came out in the sixties, and it, and and it was a, a music to it, to make people happy. Mm-hmm. People like to yeah. dance. You know, they that you be working six days. Mm-hmm. Come Saturday, you want to go somewhere where you can let your hair yeah. down. Yeah. You know, already they, you can only go to special places that has a license to drink if you were yeah. black. You couldn't just buy a drink anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's why Shabins was set up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's illegal drinking places. Mm-hmm. But you went out and you want to dance. Mm. You know, you want you want to let your hair down. Mm. Tomorrow morning you wake up and you go to church. That, but I could never understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But but I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it is. I've listened to I've listened to a lot of it this week, both the earlier stuff and and the more more modern more modern stuff, stuff like more, yeah. more poppy stuff. It's all yeah. sort of fairly fairly fast paced, very danceable. Well, very dance. With that, with that, as you say, the offbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely right. It is that. It is that. But it's again, it's it's a dance thing. But it comes. But it comes from a place. You know, South Africa in the 60s, of course. Yeah, well oppressed. No, absolutely. But where there's oppression, suppression, depression, art normally flourishes. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at England. Early 80s, Margaret Thatcher mm. from 79. Mm. We are, we are, it's the first time we, the mines closed. Mm. People were suffering. Yeah. Mm. But we, we were playing. Yeah. Yeah. But then that's why Mbakanga was really helpful because it made people happy. Mm-hmm. Um, because they, they were, they were. I mean, they were going through some serious trouble. Just, even just being at the concert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Do you know what stuff. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom. So, so you're you're running the, you're running the risk all the time. But but it's it is music that help people deal with the suffering. Mm-hmm. And to to I mean to be fair, it's it's music that really South African music that really brought. The struggle to the forefront. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the person who went up to the United Nations, Maria Makeba, mm. and she wasn't a seamstress; she was a singer. Yeah, you know, uh, and because people recognize how healing the music mm. is, and 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 it's it's it because it was such a strong healing help during the struggles. Mm-hmm. It was really, it was really, it was relevant mm-hmm. of the struggle. It mm-hmm. was part, it was part of the struggle. It was the struggle. Yeah, yeah, it sort of symbolises the struggle. Well, so, but more for you say it's, again, it's interesting. So, something I've talked about in the past on on this show, and something I'm a bit obsessed with is this oh. idea that music. We, we think of like happy, or we think of human emotions like happy or sad, sad or yeah. depressed yeah. or uplifted yeah. or whatever. But that's not really happy no, human emotions. Well, it's way no. more complicated than that. So yes. you can have a mournful instrument in a really happy music. In a happy music, no, no, this. No, I'm just. I'm, I shouldn't say. Maybe you should say mourning. No, I think it's that's a right. yeah, mourning. It's, it's yearning, the only way. Or, yeah, yeah. Yearning. It's it's just it's got this. Huh, this cry, mm. you know, and and you you just want to go. Let me help, mm. you know. Mm. It's 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 mm. that it's that. And so I've just been I've been trying to do as much research as I can. It's just listening to sort of playlists that people put together. A lot of the more modern stuff, especially, it's very vocal led. So it's often yes. got Saxon, of course. Yeah, but but it's it's mainly a lead vocal, often a male vocal, yeah. and then and a group of 
uh, female, female vocals. vocals yeah, um, and in fact, if you look at that form form formula, is what Matlatini had, and in Zulu. Right, right, right. <laughs> he had he's the lead vocal. Yeah, no, and then the Mahotala Queens they were yeah, there, yeah. and it's that, and he always had a guitar, not always a saxophone, mm. but he always had that guitar. In. But the thing is with three of them and they just went into harmony mm. oh. so he could create that sound you know mm. and the, if you listen to the modern stuff it really stems from him mm. but it's just it's faster yeah okay yeah it's faster and more upbeat but i mean his voice and i've tried to imitate him and 10 seconds of doing it your throat just says, oh, really? stop <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. stop <laughs> if you want to talk tomorrow stop yeah yeah and as i say it's it's zulu folklore mm -hmm. so if you understand the words there actually is a message in there mm. um i suppose there were some messages about the bringing down of of apartheid right but most of them are happy tunes yeah yeah, yeah. We, so they're sort of sneaking a political message in these yeah, kind of uplifting yeah, dance tunes. Yeah. yeah, and only certain, but only certain people would know. Mm, mm. You know, but it, it was it was mainly to heal. Yeah, to make people feel ah, yeah, ooh, mm, mm -hmm. it's it's, and again, I, I, for me, that's what music's got to be. Yeah, you know, yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah. if you're not making people happy, okay, make them cry then, but mm. but nobody can make music that will make people angry mm. so obviously the show is about music i try and put as much music in it as possible yeah now i'm going to put a million caveats to this with with this bit of the show yeah. my if i've if i've got time my intention yeah whatever comes up is yes. to try and certainly listen to it and analyze it but then also try and make some very crappy copy of, of it in my own in my own way okay and so okay. whatever i'm doing it's, it's always going to be a very pale imitation of it but it's just a, it's a way of trying to understand it i suppose it's but it's a, it's a, i like it because i think it's a way of letting people understand it rather than people walking up to a wall going oh what's this yeah you you finally you're saying yeah look there's a brick there there's a brick there there is a way to get through and understand well, there's a way to just but, yeah to start sort of trying to understand yeah. it with and again i would never claimed as any any degree of authenticity Authentic or anything, or anything. It's like, it's, but it's, it's just a way of me of me coming to something with fresh ears and going okay so this is the way i think of this might be completely mm -hmm. wrong but then you know, talking to someone who knows much more about it yeah um are you so i've i've put together some very basic and probably you know very uh, inaccurate grooves oh, uh, I see I okay if we could I wanted play, if we, play over that yeah, yeah let's let, yeah oh, that's what Bakanga is well exactly <laughs> exactly and I mean the other thing is you can tell me what we should change and what should be wrong you know things that this, this might be uh... okay stop stop can can you change the drums and to go doom doom doom? Because at the moment it's yeah. boom boom yeah, boom. It's the beat. Boom 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 boom. The bass drum, all the bass drum. I know it's in the snare, but boom boom boom. Oh, boom, okay, right, yeah, boom, yeah, yeah. Boom. So at the moment we've got the bass drum. It's four to the four to the, the floor. floor. But if we just change, boom, boom. But let's try. That's the one. The, this the first one. That's the first one. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And what what would you say the next is in the terms of the priority order of what was the bass or oh, oh, the guitar? What's the bass guitar doing? Just bring them all in. I think they were all they were all sitting fine. Okay. Do you see where the melody comes on the one? Bam, bash, beat, yep. three. Hey, I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. This kind of idea? Yes. <laughs> Perfect. 
There would be churches that won't have a piano, yeah. and it used to be organ that you had to pump. Right, 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 yeah. Uh, was, it, was it like, oh man. Yeah, <laughs> sort of the basis of the groove of the guitar, group and that's it bass a little and bit of organ filling in and yeah. yeah and then the melody on top melody on top yeah 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 because it's usually lyrical it tends to be a short repetitive yeah phrase yeah yeah you know, I love these heavy trumpets, but man, do they get cold. Oh, okay. Valves feel like bubblegum when it's cold. Mm-hmm. Well, spe- speaking of bubblegum, I did a bit of research about the uh, contemporary pops known as bubblegum yeah. in South Africa, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bubble, I, 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 actually, it comes from, from uh, you know, me, rock and roll. Mm. Uh, everybody should go bubblegum. Uh, right, right, right. Aren't you going to blow? I can blow. Yeah, yes, yes, man. Let's... I can blow. You got so many instruments in your house. I know, it's true. You gotta blow something. Blow leave this playing out as I talk to you here that was a real pleasure to have Claude in the studio with me what a fascinating guy he is giving me a real insight into that uh, beautiful music so I do suggest you go and check out some Kanga <laughs> there we go give it another go um, I've put a playlist in the show notes so uh, do go and have a listen on whichever streaming service of your choice there's lots of great stuff out there there's lots of fun stuff on YouTube as well it's really beautiful, uplifting music. Um, some of it's a bit more poppy than the stuff we're doing today, but there's also this earlier sort of jazz style stuff as well. So do go and check it out. Really, really interesting stuff. But the time has come for this week's lucky dip into the genre tombola to mix gambling-based metaphors. So I have copied and pasted that list of 1,300 or so styles from Wikipedia into my random list picker. And here we go. Return. Okay, next episode, we are going to be looking at Death Grind. That's right. Death Grind, people. We're going to go from anger to Death Grind. That's the sort of show we are. So do stay tuned for that. It's going to be uh, a lot of fun, I'm sure, looking into that. I am trying to get my head around how I'm going to produce a piece of Death Grind music, but it'll be fun trying. I think it only remains for me to say thank you so much uh, to my many guests this show. Lots of guests on this show. We had Leslie and uh, Frankie from the brilliant Elna Arms Pub. 
Thank you very much to them for chatting to me about pubs. And once again, please do celebrate your local pub, your local independent live music venue. They need you more than ever. Speaking of which, I'm going to be back there with a fantastic band on the 17th of December. So a little New Orleans Christmas special. So do come along to that if you are in the area of East London. Um, and then, of course, we had Tamar Osborne. Do check out her stuff uh, on the web. Uh, you can listen to a lot of her music that she's released. And she also has a radio show of her own, I believe. Um, and also her project Collocutor and lots of other things she's doing at the London Jazz Festival. And, of course, Claude Depper, who you can still hear behind us here, uh, talking about his background in South Africa and Mbakanga. There we are. Thank you very much for listening. Do get in touch um, with your thoughts on the show. If you've got any suggestions, a lot of great uh, interactions with people so far about what they liked, different directions that people think we could go in uh, in exploring music in all its myriad forms. So do hit me up on the social medias at uh, at Steve Pretty in the usual places or, or podcast at stevepretty.com. And just a reminder that I have my podcast recording and gig uh, with all sorts of different musicians. Valeria from the last episode on Harp will be there. Um, and some of the Hackney Colliery Band guys will be there. We're going to be doing a little mini Hackney Colliery Band gig. Uh, talking to Valeria, talking to my friend Chris Lintot, the astronomer, about music and space and all sorts of stuff. That's at Wilton's Music Hall on the 20th of January. So please do rock up for that. It's going to be a really, really interesting night. Right. Thanks once again. The theme is by Hackney Colliery Band and uh, me and, of course, Angelique Kidjo, wonderful Angelique Kidjo. Um, we're working hard on some new Hackney Colliery Band music and we're going to announce some new shows soon, so keep an eye out for that. Meanwhile, thank you very much for tuning in and we'll see you in two weeks' time. It will. I'm going to stick to the same release schedule, even though this one's come out quite late um, because of factors that I mentioned in the beginning. So we're going to be coming out on Thursday the 16th of uh, November. So look out for that, Thursday 16th of November 2023. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next time. 